0: Well, it's great to be with you this morning in church and just to be able to worship this morning. How many people are grateful for the extra sleep? Come on. So here's my question. I asked the first service. How many people took advantage of the extra sleep and actually went to bed on time, regular time? Anybody? A few of you. How many people took the extra hour just to watch another show on Netflix or Disney Plus, watch or read a book, clean the house, vacuum, you know? So you just wasted that hour away. You just gave it away. Anyway, that's okay. There are two different types of people, right, in this world. Anyway, we're grateful you're here this morning. Obviously, what a beautiful day to wake up and the sun. was shining, and just what a glorious morning it is to be in the house of God. And let me just say, how awesome is my wife? Come on, let's just give her a little bit of what, what? You know, sometimes we forget, because I get up here every Sunday, and you don't think about it all the time. And I came home, I'm like, Wendy, I need you to host this week. And she's like, what, you know. And, uh, you know, God bless her, but she was stressing about it all week, and she did a great job, and uh, I tell you what, you want to become a better husband, marry a better wife, you know, and uh, she makes me better in every way, and makes me look better, dress better, speak better, she'll correct me, of everything I did wrong today, when we get home, don't you forget it, don't you, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I'm just so grateful, and you know, what a great place to be, what a great church to be part of. And uh, as we just continue to look forward, as we grow in Jesus, how many people know us? this journey, right? We're just on a journey with Jesus. And we know every day, some days are good. Some days we feel like we took 10 steps forward. Other days we feel like maybe we stood still. Maybe some days we feel like we even took a step back. But I tell you what, as long as we keep focusing on Jesus, we'll get through it together. And uh, that's where we're at. And so just grateful to be part of our community. And as, as, uh, as Wendy already mentioned, that we can partner with Concertan, uh Community Services and really make a tangible difference in our own community. And that's what it's all about. And so become prepared to give generously the next two Sundays uh, by buying gift cards so we can make a big difference in our community. Anyway, I read recently a story about a guy named Gary Richmond. And he worked at the Los Angeles Zoo. And one day he noticed in the back room was a cage full of 15 red-tailed hawks. These 15 red-tailed hawks in cages. That's not where they were supposed to be. And uh, apparently, they were leftover evidence from a dried up poaching case. And so the zoo was holding on to them, but because of this situation, they couldn't display them uh, in the zoo. And, they, and he kind of had this feeling that they were going to die in captivity. And so one day, kind of being a rebel at heart and, and his heart bleeding for and beating for these hawks, he decided to accidentally leave their cage door open and give them a chance to escape. Back into the wild, and so when the moment was right, and when no one was around, and when the the, the, the moment was right, clear, he he made his way back into the room, and he opened the cage, and he left for about an hour, and he went about his day, and about an hour later he came back, and he noticed they were still there, they were still sitting in the cage, they were still sitting, and he was bewildered, he couldn't understand why, and so he he got into like a bear like pose, and he charged at the hawks, and Few of them kind of fluttered away, just outside the cage, but just just a few feet away, looking longly, longingly looking for their what now seemed to seem to be their home in this cage, where they had forgot they had been so used to this cage life that they actually forgot what it meant to be free, and realizing that his time was running out, and realizing that he would soon be caught for his accidental gesture, he. He shuffled them back into the cage and closed the door. And this story is just a great example, isn't it? A great illustration of our life and so many of us. Each day we have this opportunity to really trust in God's biblical promises, to live in the freedom we have through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus' work on the cross, you and I have been set free. Like The cage door has been opened. But for far too many of us, we would rather predictability instead of purpose. We'd rather boredom instead of bravery. We would la- we'd rather the empty promise of our cage rather than the unlimited promises of freedom. And so over the next few weeks, we are going to look over these promises of God. And I've been asking myself this question, what would it look like if you and I really believed, what would our lives look like if we really believed in the promises of God. What would it really look like if we truly believed the promises of God? We truly believed the promises of God. What if it would, would, we truly live in the freedom that we have? What kind of words would we speak? What kind of attitude would we have? What kind of life would we live if we truly believed in the promises of God? And there's four promises we're going to look at throughout this month. There's, there's many throughout Scripture, but four specifically. It's finding even in the season we're in, sometimes you know, we know them, but we forget them, right? We, we know them, but we drift. Anybody, did they dr- I'm a drifter. I drift. It's not like I don't know. It's not like I'm turning away intentionally, but I drift. I, I just drift away accidentally. I just pull away, and I begin, and I look back, and I look at the gap that is created between God's, God's Word and where I'm living and what I'm doing, and I just, sometimes I just need to get back in alignment, right? And so as we go through these promises this month, what I want us to do for a lot of us is to get back into alignment with the promises of God and allow these things to give us courage to live this free life so we don't have to live in the cage that we find ourselves in. The four promises that we're going to explore are the promises that that I will be with you, a promise that I will help you, a promise that I will give you wisdom, and the promise that I will work it all out. How many people need to be reminded of those four promises this month? Come on. I will be with you, I will help you, I will give you wisdom, and I will work it all out. And so those four promises we're going to explore today, but the first one is this, I will be with you. This promise that I will be with you. What is a promise? A promise is a declaration of assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen, right? We all know what a promise is. Many of us have, I would imagine all of us probably have sat on one side or both sides of a promise. We've given a promise. We've received a promise. We, we've, we've experienced fulfilled promises, right? Like the promises came to fruition, and we've even been able to fulfill promises for others. But we've also known the heartbreak of a broken promise, right? Maybe we even are on the contributing side of the broken promise. Or worse yet, maybe we felt the sting or the disappointment of an empty promise. A promise that was said just to kind of get throughout this awkward moment. A promise that was sort of, With fingers crossed behind their back. With no intention to fulfill, but just to get you over this moment or move through this situation. And depending on your experiences, a promise could be a good thing or a promise could actually mean nothing. You've been broken by promises so often that when someone says, I promise, you just, whatever. We'll see. We'll see. And you have this kind of, you know, Hardened heart approach to a promise because you've been on this, the broken, the, the the receiving side of broken or empty promises far too many times, and so when you hear about the promises of God, whether you want to believe it or not, that same kind of approach comes into place, and you're like, eh, whatever, we'll see, we'll, we'll see, and you kind of hopingly, you kind of half heartedly hope, but you also don't want to set yourself up for disappointment. Anybody been there? And so, this is where we find ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I find myself here more than I like to admit that I just, I begin to drift away and, and I hear the voice of God and I hear the promises of God. But then you're like, but, but, but you don't know, or but, but you don't know me, or you don't know the situation, or how could you use me, or how would that fulfill, or how is that possible? And we begin to doubt it. But here's, here's the kind of question, the premise I want to lay out What makes a promise trustworthy? What makes a promise trustworthy? When someone says, I promise, what gives you, the receiver of that promise, the confidence that they're going to fulfill that promise? Now, I don't think there's a checklist that we go in our mind, but I want to give you three that I believe are kind of the realities that we probably in a moment intuitively walk through and run through. The first is the relationship, right? The relationship with that person. Does this person who who said this promise? Is this a spouse? Is this a parent? Is this a teacher? Is this someone who knows me? Is this someone who cares for me? Is this someone who wants to see me succeed in life? Is this someone who, who, who's been through in my life for a long period of time? Who, who said it? What is the relationship? Do they know me? Do they love me? What's their authority in my life? The relationship they have determines a lot on whether or not I'm going to believe that promise. Second thing is the reliability. What's their track record? Are they promise makers or promise breakers, right? Like, do they, do they follow through with their promises? Have they set me up for failure and disappointed me in the past? Or have they always fulfilled the promises? If they said they're going to do it, then they did it. it or did they always, are they always breaking their promise? What's their track record? Have they come through in the past? And the third one is their resources. It's what's their ability to actually accomplish said promise, you know? I promise you a million dollars. Well, that's not going to happen. Even if I really, really wanted to give it to you, it's just not going to happen, right? So the reliability, what's the reliability to accomplish? to accomplish that promise? What's their reach and their access to fulfill that promise? So relationship, reliability, and resources. And whether or not we go through that list, anytime somebody makes a promise, we kind of intuitively, quickly, in a moment, go through that list to believe whether or not I'm going to trust you or not. I can trust you. I can trust this Promise, And while you and I may be promise breakers, even though our intention is to be promise makers, we serve a God who is a God of promises. And God's promises are yes and amen. We serve a God who is a promise making God. More than that, we serve a God who fulfills the promises he makes. And we just sang about that in our song, that all my life you have been faithful. And every one of us, if we are honest, can look back and say, God, you fulfilled your promise. And I've seen your promise fulfilled in this situation of my life or in this season of my life. I didn't know how I was going to make it, but I held on to your promise. And I was able to get through it all together. See, Paul writes in in 1 Corinthians, he says, For all God's promises have been fulfilled through Christ with a resounding yes, And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Meaning Christ is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. That every promise that was articulated by God, every promise that was given by God was fulfilled through Jesus. Was fulfilled through Christ. And so today you and I can stand confidently in the promises of God. We can stand in that. So whatever promise we read, whatever promise we, we listen about today, as we go through these four throughout the month, we can go with the assurance that the relationship is true, right? God is reliable, and God has the resources to fulfill every promise that he commands. You, do I get an amen here this morning? Come on, do we, is that the same God you serve this morning? Is that the same God you believe in? The relationship is good, he's reliable, he's proven himself faithful, and he's got the, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? He created the heavens and the earth. He holds all things together. So if he If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And so the first promise today is, I I will be with you. I will be with you. And this is the most life-giving promise that God can make to his children, this promise that he will be with us always. Always he will be with us. We don't have to doubt that. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to fret about that. God is with us. And in a world of that is constantly changing, where people are constantly leaving and moving and and going, and families and relationships are breaking, and tension is rising, even where death even separates us in this temporary world. We serve a God who never leaves us, and that is so encouraging that we can rely on a God who always stays the same. This is the very foundation of the relationship we have with God. This is the foundation of all of God's promises. Have you ever noticed that God often leads people into places where they feel overwhelmed and underqualified? Ever been there? Overwhelmed and underqualified. And, and I, I'm leading into this season of my life, or going on to this journey of your life, or, or walking through this valley of your life where you just feel overwhelmed and under, underqualified to do anything about it. And most of us would pray that God would take us out of this situation. But His promise to you and I in that moment is that I will be with you, right? That's the promise is that, yes, you're going through a season that's tough, yet you're going through a situation that's challenging and difficult, but here's the thing, you're not doing it alone. You're not walking this road alone. The promise of God is that I will be with you. It's not a promise of comfort or, or compromise or even convenience, but it's a promise that he will walk with us through these overwhelming seasons and scenarios and situations. And listen, you don't have to just take my word for it. All throughout Scripture, you see this over. And over, again, we see this writing even in Genesis from the very beginning. Well, God is speaking to Jacob, and he says, I am with you. He says, I'm with you, Jacob. I'm with you in this season, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Listen, this promise to Jacob is not the only time that God made that promise. Again, to Joshua in Deuteronomy 31, Moses had just led the people and he's now handing the mantle over to Joshua. And Moses tells Joshua, he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, because of the armies, because of the people that are against you. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Again, we see David's life. We fast forward a few hundred years into David's life in Psalm 139. And now many people, if you know the story of David, you know that David had the highs and he had the lows. He had the, the victories and he had the defeats. He had living in the, cal- the castle and living in the palace. And he also had living and running in, in caves and running for his life. He's experienced all of both sides of the pendulum of life, probably more dramatic than many of us would ever face. And in this moment, he comes to this gut level awareness, this, this personal awareness, and he cries it out. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the furthest ocean, you are, uh, even your hand will guide me, for your strength will support me. He said, there's nothing I can do. There's nowhere I can go that is apart from you that is a way your presence. You will be with me. You will guide me. And you will protect me. David, learning this and feeling this and knowing this in his life, then as his son takes over, as Solomon takes over as king, he departs this wisdom and this promise, this confidence to Solomon as he leads. In 1 Chronicles 29, it says, then David continued, to, to Solomon, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, my God. Listen, this is not just the Lord, but this is the God that I have learned to trust. This is the God I have learned to rely on. The God who has never left me. The God who's never forsaken me. The God who was with me in the caves. And the God who has been with me in the palaces. This is the God I'm telling you about. The Lord, my God, your God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you and you will see and he will see to it all the work related to the temple of the lord is finished correctly so we're seeing this theme over and over again and all the way into isaiah 41 where god is speaking through isaiah to the people of israel and he says do not be afraid for i am with you don't be discouraged for i am your god i will strengthen you and i will help you and i will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I'm with you. One pastor noted the prepositions that came from this passage is God's presence is with us. You see, when God says, I am your God, what is he saying? He says, I'm all over you. I'm over you. I'm covering you. And when he, when he says, I'm with you, he's saying that, hey, he's beside us. He's, he's walking beside us. When he says, I will strengthen you, he says, I'm going to strengthen you inside of you. I'm going to be your strength internally inside of you. I want to give you help. God is saying, I'm all around you. He says, I will uphold you. God is saying, I am underneath you. So we serve a God in various presences to help by us. His very help is to over us and in us, beside us, around us, underneath us, so we can live our lives on purpose with courage and with confidence. It's, It's the reason that David was able to say, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, even though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, another translation says, I will fear no evil. I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. You are close with me. Your rod and your staff protect me. Your rod and your staff guide me and comfort me. So when you wake up in the morning today, you know that God's love was there to prepare you and guide you. When you go about your day, God is there desiring to empower you. When you lay down at night, God is there to give you rest And peace, you see, God's presence, his promise to be with us is the very foundation on which so many of his other promises are fulfilled. It's the very foundation that we need to realign our heart for. Maybe we have drifted, maybe we've forgotten. But I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done and what you have not done. I'm here to tell you today with confidence, with assurance that God is with you. God is with you. God's with you today. Whatever struggle you're struggling, whatever fact you're going through, whatever whatever rustle you're, your, whatever rustle pain you're rustling through, whatever you're dealing with, I'm here to tell you with confidence today that God is with you. You're not alone. And the, the truth is, we may know that. But how do we feel that? How do we experience that? If God's presence is always with us, how come I don't feel Him sometimes? How come I don't sense His presence every day? How come I don't feel Him? Some days I just feel like I'm all alone. Some days, if I'm going to be honest, I feel like I'm doing this by myself. Some days, I feel lonely and dissatisfied, weak and weary. And this is a real feeling. This is the, the struggle of our human existence, our human reality, is that we sometimes don't feel the presence of God in our life. Am I alone with that? Like, I know it. Okay, it's good to be reminded about that, but I don't feel it. Remember two years ago, about a over, little maybe over two years ago now, I you know, I've had these moments, you know, we've all had these the valleys of the shadows of death, you know, these, these valley moments where we're just not hundred percent sure, you know, the sun doesn't really hit it too much, we're not it just feels dark, it just feels lonely, it feels just you know not good. And I remember being in one of these seasons of my life, just not too long ago, a couple years ago. And just really struggling. Like, God, where are you? Like I don't feel you. Is this the way it's supposed to turn out? Is this really your plan for my life? Where are you in this? I thought you were walking with me. I thought you were guiding me in this, and I just didn't feel him in it. I just had a moment of not doubt, but just like, what? Like, what's going on? And I had to learn kind of quickly, I had to remind myself again through counsel and through connecting with other pastors and other leaders that, listen, I can't trust my feelings sometimes. Sometimes when it comes to the promises of God, I cannot rely on my feelings or my senses, but I have to trust and rely on what God said he would do, the promises of God. i got to trust in his word and convince myself and realign again my distracted focus, my distracted thinking under the line of God. And this morning, I just want to kind of start our conversation. This is a conversation we're going to continue out through the month. But just start our conversation with three things I learned. That in those moments and in those valleys and in those times where I could not feel God's presence, to remind myself of God's presence, to grow in a sense of confidence in walking in the presence of God and walk in knowing that I'm walking with God. you want to hear those? Three things really quick. They're not super spiritual, I'll tell you what. Because if you're looking for something super profound and spiritual, you come to the wrong person. I'm a pretty simple person. Well, I'll give you simple things. Three things. Three simple things that I learned and am continuing to learn that helps me grow in confidence in knowing the promise of God that he is with me. The first is it starts with faith. It starts with faith. One of my favorite verses in James 4, 4.8, he says, when you come close to me, when you come close to God, he will. He will come close to you. Another translation says, when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Listen, there is a sense of promise here, isn't there? There's a sense of promise that God is going to be with you. But what is this promise hinged on? My proximity. My perspective. God has never moved. God doesn't move. God doesn't shift. But what happens is I get distracted, don't I? I lose focus. I, I backfill my attention. I backfill my focus with other things. And then I wind myself over here going, God, where did you go? How come I don't feel you? And God's like, I haven't moved. I'm, I'm sitting right here. You're the one drifting. You're the one wandering. He says, listen, if you just come close to me, listen, I will be close to you. Because I'm here. And there's a sense of promise, Right? So it starts by faith. It starts by committing myself and by faith to draw near to God. And I have learned that this is a daily practice. Come on, if you want, you want to feel the presence of God in your life, then you need to activate your faith to daily pursue the presence of God. That's just how it works. It's a daily thing because if you're like me, you get a hole in your bucket, you drift. It's our natural default. We just pull onto ourselves. We pull to our own annex- our own our own desires, our own initiatives, our own focuses, we drift to our own human experience, and we forget that God is still saying, here, come, come, come close to me. Come close to me. Come close to me. Hey, if you come close to me, I'll come close to you. You want to feel my presence? Just come close to me. And I tell you what, you version, and not, I'm not saying this to gloat, but I'm just saying this to, I struggled my whole life with daily disciplines and drawing close to God. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up going to church. I grew up going to youth group. and going to missions trips. I, I went to Bible college. I had no reason not to have a discipline of opening God's Word and praying and drawing close to God every day. But so many times I would go through this little, you know, little win, and then I'd drift. Little, couple days in a row, drift, drift, drift. Then Version came out with streaks. Anybody use YouVersion Bible app? I love YouVersion Bible app. And they created this, this gimmick. Let's just call it what it is. It's a gimmick, right? that creates streaks to encourage you to come back to increase your number. And I tell you what, that gimmick worked for me. (laughs) It worked for me. And at first, I'm going to be honest, it started off just trying to see how I can get that number. And then when I hit a number, I'm not going to tell you my numbers, but when I hit the number and I missed a day, I was devastated. And I was not devastated because I missed the time with God. I was devastated because I lost my streak which is horrible, right? Guys, I'm being candid. Is this okay? I was being candid. I drifted. I just, I lost focus of why I was doing this. This is James talks about your your, your loyalty is divided, right? He's talking about your loyalty is divided here. Come on, get back on track. Give me your loyalty. And I recommitted. I started again at zero, and I just committed. I committed, I committed, I hit a milestone, and I set another milestone, I hit a milestone. But here's one thing I realized as I was doing it. I started less caring, I started caring less about the number, And I started longing for the time with God. And now I I have to just get up and do it. I, I just cannot imagine my morning starting any other way. I'm several years into doing this now in a consistent daily pattern. And I cannot imagine my life looking at any different. And when we draw near to God, the promise is that he will draw near to you. But it starts by Faith that starts stepping out in faith to believe, God, I'm stepping out. I'm risking. I'm going to open up my heart here to you. I want you to speak to me. And here's the promise that he will. The promise is that he will respond to you, and he will meet you where you are at. See, God's presence never changes, but we do get distracted. We lose sight of God's presence in our life. And so it has nothing to do with our prox- his proximity but our perspective. So we need to realign our perspective and, by faith, step out. Step one. Step two, as we step out in faith, as we start with faith, it begins to grow into trust. Listen, like any relationship, as you build a relationship, as you nurture a relationship, as you get to know the heart of the other individual, you begin to what? Trust them. You begin to trust their words. You begin to trust their promise. You begin to trust their character. You get to trust their consistency in your life. And all of a sudden, this relationship begins to grow into trust. In Proverbs 3, uh, 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. So here's the thing I've realized about this. In all your ways is understanding that God is walking with you every step of your life. Come on, in all your ways, God is walking with you. I'm just so grateful that we don't serve a God who's a travel agent. You know, he's not just sitting beside some computer saying, hey, if you just take this and you take this pamphlet and you go that direction and you see that road mark, and you see that, that, you know, that's where you need to go. And I'm just going to sit right here. Good luck along the journey. Make sure you don't fall into that pothole. You know, no, that's not what God does. God's a tour guide. He walks with us every step of the way. And he shows us where to be cautious. He shows us where to be bold. He he shows us where to wait. He shows us when to run. He walks with us. And if we learn how to build a trusting with God, and in our everyday, seemingly even mundane decisions, we invite God into the conversation to guide us, then we can feel his presence with us in all things and through all things. It's not, he's not playing a game. It's not like hot and cold. Come on. You know that game you send your kids on a scavenger hunt? You're like, you're getting closer. It's hot, 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 cold, cold, cold. You know, like this is what we feel God is doing with us. Hot and cold. Like, no, no, no. God is walking with you. And we can build a trust with him through faith. that grows into trust. And thirdly, what eventually begins to happen, what eventually begins to happen is you get to build, which leads to confidence. All of a sudden, you have faith. The faith that started this relationship builds trust in these relationships, and all of a sudden you find yourself in this place where you say, I trust this relationship. I'm confident that God is with me. I'm confident that I'm not walking this alone. I'm confident in the promise that God says, I will be with you. He wasn't just speaking to my parents. He wasn't just speaking to my pastor. He was speaking to me. He was speaking to you. God is with me, and I've developed the confidence in him. So the writer of Hebrews like the writer of Hebrews, we can say with God, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. We can say with confidence. See, he's quoting De- Deuteronomy 31. This is what the author of Hebrews is doing. He's, he's quoting this story that God had with Joshua. That, hey, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he's claiming that as his own. We're, we're claiming that. To God, you said you will never leave us. You said you will never forsake us. But not only have you said that, through faith and through trust, I can now say with confidence that you are my helper. That you walk with me, that I will not be afraid. It's this promise that he will be with us. He is reliable. You see, right before this verse, the writer of Hebrews is encouraging the church. He's saying, hey, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Hey, keep your life free from the love of money. Instead of trusting in riches or material goods, which will ultimately fail, believers, you and I, as followers of Jesus, should place our hope in God, who promises, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. will never abandon you. You see, rulers and relationships, riches and other resources can depart in a moment. They can depart in a moment. Maybe you've been here. Maybe you've experienced that where you put all of your dependencies in your stocks, all your dependencies in your financial status, all your dependencies even in your relational status, and one day you wake up and it's gone. And you're left floundering, wondering what happened seen that too many times. But he's saying, listen, don't put your trust in that. Listen, rulers and relationships, uh, principalities and, and, and resources, these things can depart in a moment. But the Lord says, I will be with you. And that is something that we can take to the bank. That is a promise we can rely on. You see, one thing we have as New Testament believers is that we don't just get this the God through prophets, but we actually get Jesus himself saying, I will be with you. When Jesus sent out his disciples to go into the world and to preach the gospel, what he says, he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you to the very ends of the age. And then in John, he says to his disciples, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. And so today we can rely on the fact that we, we serve a God who's not only with us, but he's a part of us, he's in us, he walks with us, he's, inga- he's ingrained himself in us, that he's a part of us, that we can rely on, his, on the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. The same God who promised to never leave Joshua is the same Lord who says he will never leave you, he'll walk with you, he'll guide you, he'll direct you. And so today, church, I'm hoping and I'm praying that you and I can begin to build this confident relationship in the promise of God that he will never leave you. You see, we, when Jesus was on the cross, he took upon the sin, of your, the sin of our world, didn't he? When he died on the cross, he died on the cross to bear our burden, to bear our sin, to bear our shame. He took upon himself the weight of the world. And in that moment, he became something that God could not stand. In that moment, he became something that God could not dwell and be part of. In that moment, he became something that separated him from the Father. And so when Jesus was on the cross in anguish, he was dying spirit, he was dying physically, but I believe his spirit was even more anguish as he was realizing that God the Father could not be there and then could not they almost turned his back. On his son, and that's why he cries out in a loud voice. God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? See, the God who promises to never forsake us can promise us that because He too was forsaken. He too took upon the sins of the world and conquered death in the grave. When He rose three days later from the, from the death from from the grave, He conquered death and He conquered sin. And with that, con- with that, He gave us the confidence that He will never leave us. He will never for forsake us. See, our confidence is only possible through the presence of God and through the power of the empty tomb. We have this confidence that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And so like the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews, we can say with confidence here today, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. What can your people do to me? And so I ask this question to you today. What would you do if you were confident that God was with you. What would you do today if you were confident that God was with you? Would it change the way you you approach your day? Would it change the way you approached work? Would it change the conversations you have with your coworkers or your teachers or your peers? Would it change the way you approach the things that God has deposited into your heart, the dreams that maybe He's planted into your spirit, if you knew that God was actually with you, would it change the way you lived? Would it change the way you walk? Would it give you a sense of confidence to know that He will, not only is He with you, but He will help you? And we're going to talk about that more next week. My goal, my hope here this morning, my goal here this morning is just to get us back on track, to remind you today that no matter what you face, no matter what the voices of this world will say, no matter what, even what you feel inside, I'm here to tell you with confidence that God is with you, God is walking with you, that he's directing your steps, and if you trust him, if you start in faith, you can build trust, which will lead to a sense of confidence, that you can trust in the promises of Maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to live them out with boldness, and authority, and actually see the will of God transform our hearts, our homes, and our communities. If I just stand together. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you you don't just kind of cast us out and, and, and create us to do our own thing but god you promise that you will walk with us you promise that you will guide us you promise that you will direct us we promise god that you will sustain us in all things and so god today as we just take a moment to just remember reflect and look back on the promises of god today we allow ourselves to believe and trust in your promise that you will be with us god if we have forgotten that if we have drifted if we have slipped if we have Maybe dismissed ourselves, or, or or maybe belittled ourselves to believe that you're with somebody else, but you can never be with me. God, I pray that you would just give us a sense of assurance. That you give us a sense of assurance, God, that you're with us. And whatever challenge we're facing, whatever obstacle is in front of us, whatever situation may feel overwhelming, God, we know that you're going to walk with us through. It. That your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, God. That you are going to direct our steps. And so, God, today we just put our trust in you. God, today we just simply rely on you again today. God, today we just simply allow ourselves to breathe in and to rest in your promise that you say you will never leave us and you will be with us. And so, God, as we go through this week, I pray that our faith grow to trust should build confidence. That we would not just say that kind of rhymingly off our lips but, God, that there would be a deep sense of assurance in our hearts to believe that to be true, individually, specifically, and in personally. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. We're so grateful you're here with us this morning. We pray that it was a moment where you can connect with God and be encouraged. Two things I want to remind you of. One, next week we're collecting our shoeboxes for uh, yeah, for a Samaritan's Purse. I want to encourage you to bring those with you next Sunday. We're going to pray over those the altar and just before we send them off into our community and secondly please come prepared to give generously